It's times like these I need a good relief I need a special pick-me-up To drop me to my knees Would I bleed For a bad disease Impressions of injections That break through so naturally Hello, everyone. It's been a while. I'm your host, James Zimmerman, and this is 100 Windsorites. And behind me now, you're listening to In These Hard Times by The Stroll. Uh, yeah, it's been a very long time since I've done one of these. Uh, almost a year, actually. Um, no, well, I guess the reason would be, like, I get rather antisocial during the summer or during the winter uh, time. And uh, with that, and um, starting a new YouTube channel, uh, your new favorite show, go check it out. Um, link in the description. Yeah, I just got a little sidetracked. And I hope to bring more of these on a more, or rather on a regular basis. Um, but again, we'll see. Uh, there's no, there's never ever really a time frame with this. Um, I guess we'll call this the second season uh, for now. So I decided to change my mind. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Anyway, uh, I want to get back into the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, today, I'm featuring my interview with uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Ashley Godin, a.k.a. Luba May, a badass derby girl who um, is really passionate about the sport. And um, it's interesting to find people who have have a hobby, not even a hobby, sorry, a hobby's not the right word, who have an obsession um, and a love for um, a sport or an art and just immerse themselves into it. And it's really cool to hear, hear um, Ashley speak about, um, you know, just just her love of the game. Um, so anyway, uh Nothing for me after the show. Uh, we're going to keep this short and simple uh, for our first run out in a while. Uh, but at any rate, I hope you enjoy this episode, and we will talk to you soon. So who am I speaking with today? Uh, my name's Ashley Godin. I mean, I usually go by Ash, or in the roller derby community, I'm just Lula. Mostly Lula at this point now. All right. Yeah. And uh, who is Ashley Godin slash Lula? Oh, that's a big question. Um, geez, what's your, I mean, most of my life is roller derby, so I'm essentially a roller derby skater, I guess is how I define myself. Uh, I guess not just a skater, I help run a league, I help do, I mean, everything under the sun for roller derby. <laughs> like, I guess I should say essentially, like, roller derby is a good, like, 90% of my life at this point. Right. <laughs> it's funny to say, but, like, that's what I do, like, everything I do is roller derby now. <laughs> um, how did you... How did you even get started in roller derby in Windsor? Like, 
didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, actually, I got started with it. I was planning to start with it back in college. I interviewed a few girls who were part of the league. Uh, they were old-time friends of mine. Um, actually, friends of mine, it was their mom who was playing at the time. So I asked her to come in super last minute for one of those... Um, live like tapings we did okay. I was like scrambling I had nobody planned for that day and I was looking at the schedule like oh shit I'm supposed to do something so I called her up she did me a huge favor she came in and that was a big like starting point for me because I got a lot of information out of her that I wouldn't have had to that I would have had to go get like elsewhere <laughs> okay so it kind of worked both in yeah. favor so it's been uh, about three years now like almost to the day <laughs> really so. All right, cool. So um, explain what roller derby is to like, those who don't know. This like, is the hardest part. <laughs> this is, I, I feel well, the like, silliest explaining roller derby. All right, fair enough. Well, this uh, is a silly show, so yeah. whatever. So the best way I can put it is that it's a combination of, like, racing and kind of hockey, like the aspect of the full contact. So you race around a track. Um, there are two point scores. They're called jammers. They wear stars on their head to significant, significant, <laughs> signify that they're the point scorers. But to make it a little harder than just racing around the track, each team fields four blockers. So their job is to get in the way of the other jammer. So that's the simplest way to put it. It's okay. a race around the track with some big obstacles in between. Okay. And then it gets even worse when you start implementing rules and different uh, sanctioning and but that's like the easiest way <laughs> okay fair enough so like because like i don't know if you would have ever remembered this show <laughs> i don't remember the exact name of it yeah. but there's back in the 90s there was some like when rollerblading was a big thing <laughs> yeah. and there was this like roller derby like i think they called them blade words i think yeah. is what it's called <laughs> did you ever watch that as a kid I, or? that's a little before my time yeah, but thanks I for, yeah, I'm old, it. I'm old, so it's okay. I know of it because when you tell people you play roller derby, that's usually where their mind goes. Okay. There's like a, there's two generations of it. There's that like ridiculous rollerblading show, mm. and then there was back in the 60s, like right. the original roller derby game. Well, so. because, and that's the thing, like the show was ridiculous. It was kind of, <laughs> it, was, it was back in the day when like, when pro wrestling was popular. Yeah. And it was always about like that blurring that line between like fantasy and reality. And excuse me, um, you know, what was real and what wasn't. So like me being the nerd that I am, I kinda knew like of roller derby. Like if I were to go to a game, like I probably understand what's going on a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, like the general gist. You get the general gist. I don't know the semantics. I could never play a game, let alone the fact that I can't escape to save my life. But um yeah, no, like I remember I did like watch like stuff from the seventies. Sixties, uh, rather, rather. Now, like from a, a lot of the stuff that I've watched, is primarily a female-centric sport. Um, you know, is that are there male leagues? Are there co-ed leagues? Is it is it very much a feminist? So I don't want to use the term feminist in a negative. No, but is it very much a, a girls' sport? It so to speak? primarily is. Okay. 
Um, but with the growing popularity and having all these people around you, um, husbands, boyfriends, significant other stuff like that, I think it, it started to evolve into including everybody because you suddenly had like all these men hanging around that decided that they didn't just want to be like refs anymore, they wanted to play. So there are quite a few men's leagues, I shouldn't say a few because there's tons, but it's pro predominantly women, but there are men's leagues and we do play some co-ed. Um, those aren't like sanctioned or official or anything like that, right. but I played in some co-ed modes, yeah, it's pretty okay. crazy. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your training like regimen like? Because I can't imagine that like it's 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 an easy thing to be athletic on roller skates. It's it's hard, and the thing about roller derby is most of the people who play roller derby started off having no idea how to even skate on roller skates or not knowing how to play. Like when I started, I had rollerbladed, but I never roller skated because it just wasn't a thing when I was younger. Um, most people kind of just come into it completely clueless. But the great thing about roller derby is because it's all self-sufficient is we teach you how to play. So you come into the league, we start you from square one, we teach you how to skate, uh, different skating techniques, how to fall, how to turn, stop, and then we move up to the harder stuff like hitting and gameplay and such. Uh, your, your workout regimen, I guess, differs from team to team, or from even skater to skater even. Uh, a lot of the derby world now is like super into CrossFit, just like everybody else, but... Yeah. <laughs> but it, it definitely shows its results, even in roller derby skaters. Like, yeah. some of these girls that I've skated with uh, who have done CrossFit, even in the last year, like, their gameplay is just so significantly, like, better. <laughs> now they're used to just, like, tossing weights around and doing a bit of cardio. I mean, not as much cardio as you would just skating all the time, but it's right. fantastic. Like, the... I, I mean, CrossFit is very much seen as, like, a cult thing, but, like... It, it, it is, it is, it totally. It fields results. Like, I can't say enough about people who want to go work out and better themselves just to play roller So it, the, the level of athleticism does differ from league to league and skater to skater, but it is very intense. <laughs> With your team, do you guys train together, or do you kind of just all do your own thing whenever you have time? Uh, as far as practicing goes, we train derby skills all together, so we train twice a week, usually about six hours between all the teams, and then a lot of us uh, skate together outside or even work out together, just however our schedules kind of work out, but as far as any of the roller derby training, we do have scheduled practices, and we pretty much practice like all year round. We take off two, three weeks at Christmas sometimes, but aside from that, we usually do it twice a week, and then games two to three, sometimes four times a week. Wow. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Okay, so like, I guess, under, like, explain to me like how the leagues work out, because like, I envision, you know, competitive sports, like Windsor visits London and they duke it out for whatever. Like, is it is it very much like um, this kind of house league style? Is it is it that competitive level of competitiveness where you travel around different cities? It's a bit of both. Okay. So, uh, Border City actually belongs to an organization called WISTA. It's the Women's Black Jack Roller Derby Association. When I explain WISTA to people, I tell them it's the NHL of Derby because that's the best way you can. <laughs> Fair it's enough. not that high level. Well, I shouldn't say high level. It's not up there yet with the NHL, but we do compete. Um, our travel team competes in what we call sanctioned bouts, so everything's super official. There's all this paperwork that needs to be 
Uh, you have to have so many reps and so many of this and that. So it's super serious. Like, it's an official league. To an extent, yeah. To an extent, yeah. So we have a travel team that plays sanctioned games, and we have to play so many of those a year. And then we do get ranked uh, nationally as well as within WIFTA, and WIFTA covers the entire world, essentially. Okay. Um, and then our B team, kind of same idea. They still travel. Um, they're not ranked, but a lot of those players cross from both teams. They they switch up when they can or when they're needed. So we do, we travel over the place. We play Southern Ontario, all over Michigan. We've played some, like, Ohio teams. We've played a team from Buffalo, New York, and they're actually coming back down next month to play us as well. So we're all over the place. Essentially, we will play whoever wants to play against us. <laughs> all right. Within, like, a reasonable amount of driving hours. Right, right, right. Um, so, like, what's the at these sanctioned games, so more serious games, what's the what's the environment? Is it still is there still that sense of competitive um, camaraderie, or is it more of a no? You're the enemy. You need to die. <laughs> it's, uh, depending on the league we're playing, it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, there are teams like Ann Arbor, uh, Ann Arbor Derby Dimes. They are super competitive league. They're very high ranked in WIFTA. We play usually their B and C teams, and we get competitive with them, but we also adore these people. Right. Like, they're such awesome players, and they're awesome skaters. So with leagues like that, it's it's definitely 50-50. It's you want to be the best you can be and as competitive as you can be because you want to win. But at the same time, like, if you knock somebody on their ass, like you've tripped them illegally, you're still gonna like help them up and like say sorry, and right. because you gotta be nice, like right, that's right. how you um, keep your connections in Derby. Like so many times, I shouldn't say so many times, but there have been times where we've gone to play teams where at the end we're just like, man, like fuck those guys. <laughs> like they're screaming in your face when you're playing. They're screaming at refs, which is the worst. So there's there's a little bit of both depending on where you go. Got you. Essentially, we want like a good 50-50 of I want to kick your ass, but. I want to be your friend later, too. <laughs> right, right. I'll kick your ass, but let's go for a beer ass. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so now if somebody is showing up to a match, what, what's the official title? So I want to keep... We, we call it a bout. A bout, But if okay. you call it, like, a match or a game, like, we're not going to get angry. It's not, like, okay. hockey. So we, nobody knows everything about roller derby. Gotcha. Races, but it's a bout, yeah. Okay, so if I were to go to a bout for the first time, what, is, what are some of the key things that I need to know so I kind of look like I did it? <laughs> Or that I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is like, so I'm not, yeah, no, no, so I'm not sticking out, so I don't like a news, yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, our fans, the people who come to watch us, come from like all walks of life. Like, we have people who show up who have no idea what roller derby's about. They showed up because their sister's brother's cousin plays, and then we have people who knew what it was like in the 60s and want to check it out, so you can show up knowing like nothing at all and we would still love to have you. Like, okay. we just, we want to share roller derby with everybody and get everybody as excited about it as we are. So, there's nothing stupid you can do unless you, like, show up in the other team's shirt and you're from here. Then we might be like, dude, what are you doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, okay, so, what are some, well, I think there's some of the injuries that you get. Like, some either common or just, like, let me rephrase that. So, can you do, like, some of the most common injuries? Okay. And then take me through some of some of the worst injuries that you've seen. Okay. Um, your most common, I'm gonna say, are leg breaks. Whether it's like your lower leg, mostly your ankle. There's a lot of like rolling ankles or 
usually something with your ankle. A lot of the people who I've seen break ankles or hurt them have either been newer skaters who were kind of pushing their limits when they shouldn't have been, or just like a kind of freak accident like that, or exactly that with a higher skilled player. Is it just somebody fell the wrong way and somebody else landed on them and the scream of someone breaking their ankle for the first time is absolutely fucking terrifying. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But then you have vets who have broken their ankle two or three times, and by that third break, they just, like, they look at it, they get off the track, and they go, shit, it's broken. <laughs> so, the, yeah, the worst I've seen are just some, some bad ankle and, like, leg breaks. Um, you get a lot of bruises. That's the big thing about religion. I mean, that's right. one of the things that derby skaters are most proud of. It's, like, their, like, game trophies. Okay. Um, whether you have, like, fallen on somebody else and just hit the concrete the wrong way, or if you've actually, like, taken a wheel to the back of your thigh. Um, I wear a visor on my helmet when I play so that I don't get poked in the face. It doesn't happen all the time, but, like, I do wear my glasses sometimes when I skate, and then that way I'm not getting, like, somebody's stray fist in my eye or, upper, like, into my nose. Um, but it, it's all over the place because derby is messy. So you can... I, nothing would surprise me in roller derby anymore. Like, there isn't a break that would, I would be like, no, how the hell did you do that? Like, right. it's all, like, expected. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so then you, you skate on concrete. Most of the time. Yeah. Polished concrete, preferably, but we right. have skated on, on like, concrete that the polish has worn off, and that's right. terrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> There's no slide to I'm it. Good. There's I'm, no gift. I'm good with that. Falling, falling on ice sounds like a better plan than falling on concrete. Oh, yeah. I would much rather. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Um... Okay, so what is, when you go through a season, like, what is the end game? Is there, is there, like, a Stanley Cup at the end of all of it? Or is it just kind of a see who can rank highest amongst the leagues? It's a little bit of both. So in WIFTA, you have a couple hundred teams. We have a few different divisions. So there's D1 division, which is the top, I believe it's 20. Okay. Don't quote me on it because I think they've changed it in the last few years, or I just like have watched so much of it that it's all a blur. <laughs> but there's, I think there's top 20, and then there's D2, which is like 20 to 40, give or take, and then everybody else is just hanging out and doing it for brandy drinks. Um, the D1 and D2, they have championships in the fall. They usually stretch over a few weekends worth. Um, when it comes down to it, your top D1 teams, I forget how the weekend works out, but you have like five or six, however many that works out, um, play like a weekend tournament. And the Stanley Cup of it all is called the Hydra. Okay. It's this like gigantic silver sprained, silver painted um, derby skate. And that's okay. like, it was named after, I believe it was a one of the founding members of a Texas league. So it has significance to it, but that's like all the beans right there is the hydra. <laughs> okay. So there is um, a point to it, essentially, unless you're in those, like, that D3, let's call it, area where you're just playing from dragging, right? So you're just playing to kind of advance within WIFTA and hope that one day you might make it to that D1 sanctioned spot. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, all right, man. Like that? 
we're opening up a world that I like <laughs> kind of knew existed. But uh, you know, you're you're essentially like my window into the whole into the whole world. Um, what are some things that you wish people, um, or rather, let me rephrase that. What are some of the misconceptions about Derby that you find you need to clarify all the time? This is my favorite part. Okay. Because <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say that. But, um, when you say roller derby to people, a lot of people go back to that 1960s um, fishnets, booty shorts, tutus, uh, stupid, I shouldn't say stupid outfits, but like weird outfits. It was, back then, it was like the WWE of roller derby. It was more about the show and the like pizzazz behind it all. Whereas now, it, we're trying to get it to the, the, the point where it's like this well-respected athletic sport because that's what it is right but you have leagues that are helping push in that direction and then you have leagues that are bringing it back the other way um, which is, and you know what like to each their own some people don't play derby to be competitive some people play it for just for the workout or just for the community and some people enjoy that aspect of roller derby of still like dressing up and putting crazy makeup on and tutus to go to games and I mean that's not my thing it drives me fucking nuts I wore a tutu <laughs> once for um, a themed bout and we do have themed bouts where we do get dressed up and stuff but like if I'm going to play a sanctioned game I'm going to wear like black compression pants that match my uniform I'm not going to show up in like fishnets and and some like crazy striped shorts. I mean, it might wear striped shorts, but like, <laughs> I hate the like the people who see it as like this big like fashion show kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and a lot of people expect you to be. They see, they hear the term "dirty girl," and they expect like these like 60s, 70s pinup models covered in tattoos, which to be fair is a good chunk of roller derby because that's how the revamp started with kind of those people. But we're trying to bring it forward into this like serious athletic sport and some people are not helping with that but that's right. the, definitely the biggest misconception is oh it's just a bunch of hot girls on skates and fishnets who punch each other in the face <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah she's thorough but I want it to be this like serious thing because yeah. that's what we're trying to make it um, is there anybody you know getting paid serious amounts of money to do derby or is it for the most part in some regards a labor of love it's definitely a labor of love. I don't think that anybody technically gets paid to do it. There are definitely benefits to being on a higher ranked team. A lot of those teams, as far as I know, get some sort of sponsorships, mostly from roller derby uh, businesses. So there's a brand, uh, S1 Helmets. They sponsor a lot of the higher level teams, but unless you're going to events and running clinics and kind of taking it upon yourself to organize those things, you're not getting paid anything Fair enough. Fair enough. It's definitely, definitely a labor of love for sure. For a good, like, 99% of the community. Gotcha. Um, so, if, if somebody wanted to catch a game in Windsor, rather, if somebody wanted to catch a bout in Windsor, where do you guys normally have them? Are they available to the public? Are there a lot of, like, um, closed doors? Uh, we're not highly ranked enough to have, like, closed doors bouts just yet, where okay. we would be like, we don't want to see people 
uh, or we don't want to have people have this game because this is strictly for ranks and we need to focus on the gameplay. Like all of our stuff is um, is open door. We want everybody and anybody to come watch, whether you've been to every game we've ever had or if this is your first time. So we were playing primarily at 80 Knox in the West End, an old arena. Uh, that's where we have most of our bouts that are in arenas. Anywhere that will melt ice for the summer, we'll try and get in. We've recently made the move out to Alice Tube in Bell River, uh, partially because it's cheaper, <laughs> partially because it's a beautiful facility, so we saw that opportunity and we jumped on it. Yeah. So right now we're practicing in a gym there, but come summertime, uh, our June and July bouts are both there, and we're going to be playing in one of the main rinks. So they melt one of the pads down for the summer, so we are taking like full advantage of that to be in this like beautiful arena with a great sound system, lots of lights, uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll be out there for the summer. Awesome, yeah. cool. Um, do you do you get heckled a lot um, during your games, or is it like? Uh... I don't know. Okay. Maybe. So, I, there's a lot of screaming. Okay, so there's a lot of screaming. You yeah. just can't tell what the screaming yeah, actually is. It gets is. to the point where like you're on the track and you're focused for the most part like on that. Okay. Even to the point where sometimes you can't hear your coach yelling at you to like call off a, a, a jam. Right. So there is definitely a lot of screaming. There have been times where I've been like on the track and I've laid somebody out and I have heard like a ooh or like, a, like something like that. And those are like the super satisfying moments. Right. Um, I think the people who come to bouts having derby experience are probably the ones, not necessarily heckling, but more along those lines like, oh, you should have done this or you should have done okay, that. Okay. Yeah. So like, armchair. Yeah. Okay. Everybody else there is just like happy to be there and just like yells and screams when they think something good is happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Because like I thought like I remember I don't know what made me think of this so just bear with me but um I remember um back in call or back in university going back a long time ago <laughs> we had this um pillow fight wrestling week and like oh my on the outside it sounds so ridiculous it sounds like super sexist and yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever been hit with a pillow before. It hurts. It it it, it hurts. So it was like competitive. It was fighting. Com competitive pillow fighting. Like to see the thing is like, you know, yeah, they're like we're tossing out stupid shit, but like to see these girls like actually wallop each other. I'm like, oh, 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 you're for real. Okay, I think she's she might be. Yeah, she's bleeding. She's bleeding. Um, so I wasn't sure if like if you guys got that because. Like you said, it was, it is, it was primarily, sorry, just the misconception of derby right. is where I'm going with that. I, You know what, that's a good point, because I'm sure there are people that uh, show up and think that it's, oh, it's just going to be a bunch of girls on skates racing each other, right. and they don't expect to see the crazy, like, body checks and hitting and some of the, like, footwork and skills that they will see, so that is a good point. Like, there's definitely some of that. There's people who have come up to me after bouts, and they've been like, I didn't realize, like, how aggressive this is, and I'm like, yeah, dude, like, I've been telling you for ages, but it does, I guess it just takes you to, to come and watch it to realize, like, how athletic and uh, kind of nasty it can be. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm going to give you open floor okay. to just talk about anything with regards to Derby that we haven't really quite covered yet. You know, anything that, like, 
any misconceptions, again, any further misconceptions that you might have thought of, or just anything about Jeremy? Like, if you had an open floor, what would you say? Ooh, well, I got my misconceptions that, that I got really angry about, so that's good. That's, that's I'm, good. I'm, that's that's good. I'm like, I always jump on that to tell people, like, no, that's not what roller derby is anymore. Right, right. Um, I guess a cool thing I could tell you about roller derby is modern-day derby still um, adheres to some of the, like, traditions of traditional <laughs> traditions of traditional roller derby. But um, we all skate under skate names or, like, nicknames. Um, some of the more competitive leagues don't. People have just taken their last name, but a good chunk of the community skates under some kind of, like, nickname. A good chunk of them come from either famous actresses, actors, comedians, musicians, and they all used to be very punny, and that's, like, a big part of derby that I appreciate because I just love, like, a good cheesy pun. <laughs> so it's super interesting every year when we get new skaters that are graduating to see what they've picked for their names because that's your, like, rite of passage. So you come into derby, you do however many months of um, training, and then you get skills tested, and that's when you can be allowed to play on the team. So we have to make sure that you're up to par and, like, you're safe and we can trust you to not kill anyone, uh, and that's your kind of, like, graduation present is you get to pick your name. It's not something that somebody picks for you, so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, there are a lot of good names in our league, and even just, like, I see one every now and again on, like, Instagram that I just, like, gives me a good chuckle. <laughs> I appreciate when people, like, put thought into their names. Mine, it took me forever to pick, just as everyone else does. There's, like, one person that I've met or run into that, like, knew the reference to my name. And it was actually Jay that we went to college oh, with. Oh, okay. <laughs> because mine is a Breakfast at Tiffany's reference. and But it's very, like, hidden in the movie. I guess if you didn't know the movie well, you wouldn't pick it up, which is fair. Right. But, um, yeah. I was, like, so proud of mine, and then, like, nobody got it, and I get called, especially in the States, I get called Mayhem a lot, because my name's hyphenated, like, I don't spell it M-A-Y-H-E-M, I spell it M-A-E hyphen H-E-M, so I get right. Mayhem, it gets mispronounced a lot, or the first tournament I ever played in was this two-fresh tournament in Toronto, it's a bunch of uh, brand new skaters, or skaters who have just passed their skills test, playing this weekend tournament, it's super awesome, but my name was like mistyped on a roster so I got called Lulu all weekend and my jersey from that weekend says Lulu and I was so upset and like just so angry because I had like spent all this time like um, studying and like practicing for my skill set that I was so excited and I flipped this jersey over and it said Lulu and my heart just like sank and like to make it worse everywhere we not everywhere we go but like every now and again, someone will call me Lulu instead of Lula. I don't know why. I don't okay. know where that comes from. Right. Like, I would probably pick Lola over Lulu, but, like, every now and again, and there have been times where, like, I've been on the track, and usually have announcers about so they'll announce um, the two jammers that are up for that jam and I've been called Lulu and I've just like turned around and like stink eyed the announcer <laughs> like, that's not my name <laughs> like I'd much rather you just call me like Lou over Lou which as we say and people do it like just to just to make fun of me now but that's the cool yeah it's one of my favorite parts about roller derby is the like the funny nicknames and everything but then every now and again you get one that you're like really like you didn't even try like that's not funny <laughs> if you have to explain it to me and it doesn't have some kind of like 
deep, meaningful reference. Yeah, then I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. Like, try again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what else I could tell you about this. I feel like all I do is talk about Derby and then like I run out of things to say. Like I watch, um, the cool thing about Derby now too is because WIFTA is growing as an association, there are a lot more resources available. So our league has been around since 2010 and back then they were playing it. I mean, it was just a bunch of strangers who got together and they were like, hey, there's this cool thing we want to do. They were moving in and out of homes. They were skating outside sometimes. And now we've gotten to the point where we have a a mostly permanent home and we have all these like resources available to us the derby community is huge there's like all these games you can watch on youtube so even if you were someone who didn't know anything about roller derby you can just go online and watch derby you'd have no idea what's going on but you'd right. probably pick it up after a few minutes or so right right um it's something that i definitely like put on everyone to get into like if i meet somebody new i'm like hey like how do you feel about roller derby or like if you meet someone that you know is already into like fitness and that kind of stuff i'm like hey do you want to come skate i'll teach you like you don't have to know anything and try to like talk people into it right but at the same time it's very much like you said like a, a labor of love there's a lot of time and commitment that goes into it like we skate five, six hours a week, but um, part of my skating during the week is training fresh meat, so I train new skaters, I practice with the team I play on, I spend a good chunk of my week uh, answering emails, Facebook messages, posting to like any of our social medias, uh, building our website, and then even just like reaching out to other people in the Derby community for whatever, like, hey, we got this boat going on, do you want to come? Hey, uh, we need sponsorships, like there's, there's so much that goes into running this league that I think people don't realize and it's hard when you only have I think we're down to about 35 members right now so it's definitely a, a labor of love but like I don't know what I would do without roller derby <laughs> I thought about that the other day like so much of my time is consumed by derby that like if I wasn't doing it I don't know what I'd be doing like would I just be sitting around like spending way too much time on Facebook or like diving like even deeper into weird conspiracy theories on the internet <laughs> like oh. maybe okay. maybe derby keeps me grounded <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that I want to explore that. Let's explore the conspiracy theory thing. So, like, what do you mean by that? Let's explore that. I, to be honest, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, like, believe in a lot of different weird conspiracy theories, but I find it super interesting. Yes. Like, people who think that the Earth is flat. Like, yes. I mean, I don't agree with you, but if you're going to argue it to that extent, like, I will listen to you. Right. Because you have obviously thought this out pretty well. <laughs> or, like... Uh, all this like mandala effect stuff yes. I think that's pretty neat yes. um, I watched a few YouTubers that just like one of their favorite things to do is just like dig up weird internet conspiracies so like this whole like Avril Lavigne thing where she actually like died like five or six years ago and at the Avril Lavigne that you know now is just her body double from yeah I'll send it to you it's oh pretty my crazy God, you have to. because like I read it and I'm not ever completely convinced by any of this stuff but right. like a lot of these people make a good point <laughs> so like if you're gonna like dive into it that far that like you are trying to convince other people i will certainly listen to you <laughs> fair enough no that's an interesting that's, a, that's an interesting way to look at it because like i've always been um 
this half creative, half science minded person. So like I'm interested in the conspiracy theories, but like at the same time I'm also interested in like picking it apart. Right, yeah. You know, for sorry, picking it apart for the sake of debunking it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like I won't necessarily get into the argument, but like I do question like what makes you think this? Like what are the mechanics in your brain and how do they yes. get together that you're like, yeah, Earth is flat? <laughs> I think a lot of it is like deep rooted in my like my ways of like atheism and I oh, think yeah, that's no, where totally, it started totally. because like I questioned a lot of that for a long time so then like when people bring up all these other conspiracy theories I'm like okay so what makes you think that way right. and it's all just like super fascinating instead of being like pissed off at somebody who thinks the world is stuff, you're like fuck you you're dumb yeah no, no it, like, and that's exactly okay exactly. explain it to me why do you think it's black <laughs> right oh no and that's, it's funny because like I find that a lot of atheists true atheists um, are of that inquisitive mindset they uh they're like, well, why is that? Why do you think that? Yeah. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but it's more of a like, you need to convince me why you why you think you're right. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, no, that's um, oh, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> what are some? Okay, so like, what's what's a conspiracy theory that has just like stuck in your mind as like you don't necessarily believe it, but there's certainly evidence to convince you otherwise. <laughs> like you kind of are on the fence. Uh, honestly, like. Some of that Mandala effect stuff and some of the um, the idea of, like, a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Like, every now and again, I'll do something and I'll be like, whoa, I just glitched. <laughs> like, just to be funny. Right. Like, this whole, like, uh, Berenstein Bears theory. Because when I first started watching it, I was like, no, that's stupid. That's not a thing. And I, I saw, like, all these people who are convinced, like, yeah, when I was younger, it was spelled this way. And that's how I remembered it. I was like, no. Like, it's definitely, I watched so much Berenstein Bears and I had so right. many Berenstein Bears books when I was younger. Like, that's how it is. And I I found, like, a movie or something, I think, at Value Village, and it was spelt the, let's call it, like, the way it is now, as opposed to the, like, 90s way. Right. Whereas, uh, one of my friends posted on Facebook, like, a VHS they had found, where it was spelt the 90s way. Right. So I was like, well, did somebody, like, is this Photoshop? Is this, like, somebody made this just to be funny? Yeah. But, like, some of those are pretty convincing, because I do remember it the old way, but your brain like has so much information to process and so many memories to remember our, our, that it all kind of gets mixed in does. hazy there it so just yeah. to say which is right but some of those are pretty convincing no, and like I, I will entertain them <laughs> it's funny that you brought up the uh the, the glitch in the matrix because like if you like not that I believe that we live in the matrix but I believe in the possibility that we could potentially be living in the matrix um to because it's one of those things that, like, you can't necessarily prove it, right? You can't yeah. Prove, like, you, exactly. You can't prove that it's, you know, you, it, sorry, it's a thing that's super hard to prove. So, like, yeah, it absolutely could. I'm not going to sit here and dwell on it <laughs> for the rest of my existence. <laughs> yeah. But, like, no, it is, it's cool to think of that as a thought experiment. Yes, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool to think of that as a thought experiment. Like, are we really just in, uh, you know, uh, in, in a Matrix-style simulation, right? Um, okay, so yeah, like, or what? What's what's the long conspiracy theory that you're just like, no, there's no, there's no fucking way that's a possibility. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like some of the ones I've watched recently. I feel like there's ways to be. No, I can't think of any good ones. It doesn't have just, whatever comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be necessarily good one. 
I mean, like, this Avril Lavigne one is pretty ridiculous. This Avril Lavigne one is something that's really... Okay, so the... Piqued my interest. The, like, say. general gist of it is that, like, she had, um this body double like apparently a lot of celebrities do like just somebody to do do both um paparazzi yes when they're out public so this girl i think her name's melissa looks a lot like her there's like some small similar small like differences between them but like if you maybe didn't necessarily know what avril looked like or if you hadn't seen her in so many years you might go oh yeah that was avril Lavigne. so this theory is that after one of the old, like, more emo Avril um, albums, she died. And I can't remember if it was, like, an accident or if it was, like, an illness, however it happened. So she died. But that was, like, her peak of stardom. So they just said, so the, this record label or whoever was like, well, we already have this girl who looks like her. We can probably make her sort of sing like her. And then this theory is that they've just been, like, passing this Melissa girl off as Avril for the last, like, wow. five or six or seven, however many years. It's probably longer right. than that, because I feel like those Skater Boy albums were from ages ago. They were. They were. Skater yeah. Boy was, I was, oh, shit. I know I was in high school. I don't remember if I was just getting into high school or just leaving high school. Yeah, it was like but a... Skater Boy was definitely high school. a long time ago. Yeah, I was. So, I, and I saw uh, this. One of the convincing posts or one of the things that was just funny about it was so Avril had like Avril quote unquote had posted like working on this new album whoop, and like posted a picture and some girl was like Avril would never say whoop that's not how she talks like she was this like quiet little emo skater kid and now she's turned into this like poppy princess like that Hello Kitty song or whatever I like, was I was looking for it in for that song oh my god I so ridiculous I, I saw 30 seconds of in like a top um, yeah I was watching some Watch Mojo top 10 thing and yeah for the 30 seconds of a showed of the yeah. video I just wound up blowing my brains out yeah <laughs> so apparently that was one of like the things that people were like no like this is an Avril I don't care like I don't care what you say yeah I don't care that she like married Chad Kroger and like he's helping her with her music and like this is the direction she's going and they're like no this isn't her right right <laughs> oh man oh that's hilarious okay so um, I guess take me, take me before Derby. So, like, a der- Derby, I would say, absorbs a lot of your adult time. Yeah. <laughs> so, take me, take me before that. Like, how would you describe yourself pre-Derby? Um, well, before I got into Derby, so I got into Derby essentially just after college. Uh, and at that, even at that point, I was like, I, was, I would say I was kind of lost. Because I got out of college, I finished journalism, and then I was like, what the fuck do I do now? Because by the time that ended, I wasn't enjoying it anymore, and I didn't know, like, what to do. I worked uh, at a pawn shop for a while, which was awesome. Right. Um, but then I worked at the pawn shop closed, and I got transferred to another part of the business, which was payday loans and stuff, and I hated my life. So, pre-Derby, I was very... I mean, for a long time before Derby, I was very much like an angsty teenager, no matter what age I was. Right. And I'm still kind of an angsty asshole, but at least, like, I've learned to grow out of it a bit. And, yeah. like channel it in an adult way you're that, constructive with it yes and that's that's the key to being an adult is taking that angstiness yeah. and channeling into something that you can tangibly use yeah. to your advantage and even like back high school like college I wasn't I was never like a super social person I 
am by any crazy means now either, but Derby like opened up a lot of stuff for me and I have definitely made more of an effort to like befriend new people or even just like interact with people. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of times where I still like don't go out to stuff because I'm like, I don't want to be around these fucking weird strangers and like in 20 minutes I'm just going to be like, I'm going to go home and sit on my couch and like watch Netflix or something. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like free Derby. I don't know. I was just like, I don't want to say a lost soul because that's so lame and like cheesy, but like I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. And not that I know anymore right now what I'm doing with my life, but I have like a much better job. I got my job essentially because of Derby. I work with, well, my boss is someone that I started Derby with. So that opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And even with Derby and I mean, because everything I do is Derby, um, I've traveled for it. Like, I went to Vegas, went to this giant, like, roller derby convention last summer, and that was awesome. And when I went to England, uh, I went to a skate shop and, like, all over the place. I'm just looking for, like, derby things to do. But, yeah, definitely, like, pre-derby was just, like, super angsty, asshole, teenager Ashley, for sure. (laughs) With like no direction. <laughs> it's it's funny that they say that because like um, I don't I trying to figure out what it is because that's the thing like I've done two different stints of post secondary education. That's right, yeah. And um, you know, I think I just think it's funny how if you had just taken a different direction, like a sooner point, yeah, you know, where would things be now? And just it's funny how like the, the one thing that, or sorry, you do one thing that takes you one trajectory, and you just completely. <laughs> um, like, do you do you find that you use any of your journalism skills or any of the skills you picked up in journalism? Um, like, I know that you're being a photographer into photography um, back in school. Like, are you still doing stuff like that, or is it primarily... Um, I, I definitely don't do as much of any of that stuff anymore, but I have definitely found ways to, like, work it into what I'm doing now. Yeah. So, some of the stuff that I learned in school in regards to uh, even just, like, making connections with people, or uh, any of, like, social media, web building. I yeah. do some of that stuff beforehand, and journalism definitely tried it at least tried to like push me out of my shell it still didn't make me want to go like chase down strangers for like 400 word stories or whatever but there was definitely some stuff I learned out of that like as far as life skills that I've taken in today I'd like to think that sometimes I'm much more well spoken (laughs) because of journalism but then I fumble and say like uh um all the time but I have had to do a fair amount of interviews or videos people that just wanted to come to us to talk about derby so i did incorporate some of the stuff i learned in college in that i try my best like i know like how to stand in front of a camera and like which way to look but, like, just little things not enough to justify getting a diploma out of it and spending two years in school. right right because now i work for an interior design company so that has nothing to do with what i went to school for right right yeah Oh man, that's fine. Um, okay. Uh, where am I going? <laughs> Give me a second. I've got some. I had some. I had some for a second. I lost. I know. I'm like, what else can I tell you about Derby that I've never told you? Right. Some-
around, a lot of times I find I just like stumble and like I'm trying to get so much out and then I'm like, I really didn't have that much to say. <laughs> and then I just fill it with ums and ahs and like brain farts. And <laughs> okay, uh... Oh shit, okay, sorry. So... Oh man, the drugs are really good on this one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, okay, so so overall, like what was how would you describe well, because you went to you went to college right out of, of high school. Right out of high school, yeah. Like, I was done college by the time I was, like, 20. So I felt like I went to school, like, super early. Like, right. most of the people I know that went to, did post-secondary were in it for two, three years, or they'd already gone through it once and were going back into it. So I was, yeah, by the time I finished, I think I was 20, and I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, right. I felt like I'm just a baby in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. No, and it's funny, because, like, I really feel that... I guess this is the point I was ultimately trying to make. Um, you know, it, it's, if I had known, I guess if I had known then what I know now, um, I certainly would have not gone into, I wouldn't say I would go into journalism right away. I would say that I wouldn't go to university right away. Um, you know, there's certainly a misconception about like being ready and hitting these like goals, yeah. right? Um, and I find at least with our generation, they're trying to break those norms down. And I certainly, anytime that I, I try to encourage kids to like, if you're not ready, don't go. Because yeah. like, there's certainly, uh, there's a certain level that you have to know yourself and there's a certain level that you have to be able to like, be willing to explore yourself. Yeah. I think that's where you get the most out of any post-secondary education. Like, I enjoy, as, stress, as stressful as it was, <laughs> stressful as it, it was, was, it was very stressful. <laughs> you know, I did enjoy the program. Um, I did, I'm trying to use all of the skills that I picked up from it. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't, I just, the thing is, like, it's like I said, chasing down people for a 400 word story every day just doesn't appeal to me, you know? Yeah. And to do that for, what's the starting wage, like 20K, 25K maybe? Probably, yeah, that that's sounds low enough to be right. Yeah, that's, well, at least, like, when I was looking for jobs, like, all of the higher, so, like, 30K were, like, we want at least four years of experience. So it's like, all right, well, so I either come to you, work for you as a paid intern, and I work a second job, or, you know, I find myself something that's been paying me the most amount of money, where I can go do my own thing. Right, right? and that's, that's a really good point because when I was applying for college, uh, I had originally, like, when I was in high school, I wanted to go to law school. I had these, like, big dreams of, like, being a lawyer. And then, like, halfway through high school, I was like, high school doesn't matter. I fucking hate it. I don't want to be in school for, like, six, seven more years. So I applied for college, and I went and checked out a few different um, St. Clair programs. And I think when it came down to it, I got into, like, journalism, business. I forget what the other one was. It may have been, I think they had a web design or... Um, something along those lines at the time. And I kind of like eating meeny miny mowed it. Fair enough. Uh, and the Mediaplex was one of those things where, like, I went and checked out, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I right. think that I definitely put journalism, like, on this pedestal. Of, yeah. like, look at how cool of a job this can be. Like, I had watched oh. much music for a long time and saw, like, all those video um, DJs and, like, just these people who were, like, famous because of journalism. And I definitely built it up to way more... 
than it was. That's not to say that people in our program didn't go on to do great things with it. I know there's plenty of people that are still uh, doing journalism type things, and right. that's great for them because if that's what you love, then like props to you. By the time I got done, it just wasn't like satisfying enough for me, which yeah. is weird to say because I went into a job anyway that I didn't necessarily want to do. I just did it out of necessity because I right. needed a job. Yeah. And yeah, I think like if maybe if I had taken a year in between and done something like just to put it off and figure out what I really wanted to do, maybe I wouldn't have done it. I did enjoy, like you said, I, I did enjoy my time there and I definitely learned some stuff and I made some connections with people that I definitely appreciate, but in the end it just wasn't for me and yeah. I got done and I was like in hindsight at least I didn't waste like 20 grand and then have nothing to show for it right but definitely towards the end I was like I don't think I want to do this forever I don't want to chase down people for something that people are going to read once and toss aside and I mean that's how you work your way up in journalism you start from the bottom and go up right and I just it just wasn't for me and <laughs> totally sometimes I do look back at it and I'm like maybe if I had done like this or gone this way with it or been more um like been more of a go-getter about it but that's just like not my thing I got to the point where now that I've been at my job for just over a year I'm okay with the fact that like I'm in a comfortable position that works for me I work Monday to Friday 8 to 4.30 I have weekends off I get Saturday overtimes once in a while it works for me like I have that structured schedule that still lets me play derby still lets me like travel and gives me like the funds to do so so like at this point in my life I'm very like comfortable where I'm at yeah that's not to say that I won't like strive to do other things later but like this works for me right now I enjoy the place I'm at I enjoy the people I work with uh, I was able to buy a house with my boyfriend like that's pretty that's cool big. That's so, big so like thing. I'm excited yeah, about absolutely. that and I don't think I would have got to that point with journalism absolutely. because it just wasn't like wasn't into it and I don't think it would have worked for me I think that I would have been miserable and I know what it feels like to work a job that makes you absolutely fucking miserable and yep. I got out of that place as soon as I could absolutely. no and it's funny that you say that because like one of the things that I've learned as a uh, as an adult, um, and like I say this as like a new adult, like somebody who, I, I wouldn't consider myself an adult until I hit about 30, 31. Right. I think that's a fair like judge of like adults. <laughs> yeah. And and like I was totally a kid up until that point, and I've learned that you know at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing so long as what you're doing is not a drain on society yeah. and you're happy you know yeah. like in, in my day back in my day um you know when i was when i you know like when i was graduating high school the reason why i went to engineering right out of high school is because i was a smart kid and in the 90s if you were the smart kid you got pushed towards technology yeah sure. you know i i wanted to do something creative you know that's where i would have grown the most and in journalism that's where i did most of my growing i took it out on like you guys a lot i apologize for that but <laughs> honestly like the amount of stress that all of us were under i'm surprised that there wasn't more like screaming and yelling at each other fair enough but i think we all made it out okay yeah yeah we all survived yeah. and that's the important part but um yeah no it just um you know, to have an environment i think that's what it really boils down to having an environment that allows you to um you know, just 
learn how to make yourself happy. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, and yeah, like, totally. it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, you don't want to have to pay a 20 bucks. Sorry. What I am trying to say ultimately <laughs> is that, um, yeah, no, man, just do do what keeps you happy. Yeah. You know, like I work at a factory right now, and it's not a glamorous job, but you know what? Paid my OSAP loan. Yeah. I'm 32 without an OSAP loan, right? My uh, my credit score. Uh, I can't remember my credit score now. No, isn't it weird? It's like, so weird. Ah. Um, but like, shot up, shot up immensely, and like, I can safely say that like if I had gone into journalism, would not be the case absolutely not um and that's because i pulled in two years where i made 60k you know and like going around i put in a lot of overtime hours but like even at my base rate like just to go there um you know nine to five if i were to nine to five it um you know it's 32 then can't say that and that's starting that's me at the bottom like that's like the least amount of stress you know so i can't really yeah it's not a glamorous job but paying the bills and it's it's allowing me to do stuff like this. Yeah. It allows me to try and make the internet famous. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, so. You know what? Like, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. And I think uh, that's, like, like, a huge thing that, like, I just want so many, like, young people yeah. to catch on to. Because I think if I would have caught on to that earlier in life, I wouldn't have felt like I got out of college and I was, I, I shouldn't say, like, I felt like I was this disappointment, but I kind of felt, like, stuck. I was like, so what now? Like, I'm this college grad and I, uh, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So, like, I think people need to realize that doing, like, mediocre, for lack of a better term, jobs and things is, like, perfectly okay. Like, yeah. it's totally cool to work a 9 to 5 <laughs> desk job Monday to Friday and have weekends off. Like, I spend so much time. I mean, I started working when I was 15. So, for a long time, I was like, what's a weekend? Like, I don't get well, that. I, don't, I work I in retail. Yeah, like, yeah. And now exactly. I'm like, this is awesome. I sleep in on Saturday mornings. <laughs> like, I can go to bed late on Fridays. Like, and, I, and even at my job, like, I barely have to deal with a customer. So, it's great. I sit right. like I sit at a computer most of the day. I spend some of the time in the shop. Like I'm totally fine. Like with the way things are. Right. Yeah. And I wish that I had realized that like so much sooner. I think I think it was. I mean, because you look back socially at uh, the last couple of generations, you've got this switch, like this change of. Um, you're no good, do better, to you can be anything you want to be. And now there's this expectation of like, well, I was told that I can be that if I just wanted it. Not realizing that not everybody is meant to do that. Exactly. You know, and it, even if you, if you're the best in your area, there's always going to be somebody better than you at some point. So, um, you know, I... It, it, sounds, it sounds negative. <laughs> But like the reality of the situation is not everybody is meant to do everything. Yeah. You know, like it's, and it's not mean that you shouldn't try. Right. It just means that like if something doesn't work, if that thing doesn't work, move on to something else. Yeah. You know, like uh, just do what makes you. As long as you are happy. <laughs> as long as you're happy, man. That's all that matters. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's a that's a big thing that a lot of people need to realize. Yeah. It'll come eventually. Eventually. You have to let people get there. Well, and that's just it, right? You see, you see changes in, in mentalities over time, right? Like there's I. I was um uh, I was doing a documentary. We won't talk much about it, but I was, I was uh, talking with high school kids. <laughs> Self promo. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a lot of high school kids, just like um, 
about like you know, how they see the world mm-hmm. and it's very much and I mean like it is a small sample size don't be wrong and I know that you know it's it, not every kid is like this but it was refreshing to hear um, you know the next group of leaders um, saying things that weren't common mm-hmm. you know amongst the same level at my age that makes sense yeah. you know what I mean like we, we didn't talk about things like um, gender identity right yeah. um, you know we barely we barely grasp the idea of just gay, lesbian, um, bisexuality, mm-hmm. and bisexuality was way out yeah. there, right? <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was like, whoa, hold on, buddy, hold on, but like, no, now we're talking, now we're talking about gender equality, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll start seeing changes eventually, yeah. and I, I, I don't know, call me a hopeful romantic if you will, but I do, <laughs> I still have hope for the future, I mean, like, my generation was no different. The concentration of shitheads in my generation was no different than the concentration of shitheads in this next generation, right? right? You know, the moral of the story is humans are shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we, are, we suck as a species. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, there isn't greatness either. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. I totally, I totally agree with, like, just, yeah, we're complete shitheads, man. But, oh, like, fuck, we're man. learning. We're learning. We're, we're trying. Learning. We're slowly I, getting there. Yeah. Over thousands of years, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> if climate change is the over first. Oh my god. Uh, oh, yeah, that whole thing that like Donald Trump doesn't believe in climate change, like that. I feel like that's another conspiracy theory on stuff. But like, yeah. Yeah, no. That's all that is. Don't get me started. Like, yeah, no. Man, that's no, a whole, man. whole other. Oh man. Okay, so um, I'm gonna wrap this up. Oh. But uh, before we do that, is there anything that you want to just ramble on? Like, just, you have the floor, again, for as long as you want. Um, is there anything that you just wanted to talk about that we didn't quite cover? Anything you want to reiterate? Um, life lessons you want to teach? You have the floor. <laughs> um, I feel like I should finish this off with, like, if you have a significant other or girlfriend or a wife or somebody in your life that you think, like, could benefit from playing roller derby, send them my way. Um, I wish I had a men's league to take everybody in, but I don't. So, like, I'll start small for now, and I just encourage, like, everyone to try it out, even if it doesn't work for them, because I feel like it's done so much for my life and changed so many things. Like, and even opened me up to all these new experiences, like, even to go to the extent of, like, the weird things, like, conspiracy theories. Like, that's something we can, like, hang out and talk about if we want. Like, I'll totally do that at Derby. But, yeah, I just want... I think I want people to enjoy it as much as I do. And I do realize that, like, that's not going to happen for everybody. But, like, I would encourage as many people as I could to get into it or at least check it out. Because it can do amazing things for you. It's, it's a cool, like, sport to be a part of. And it's, it's ever-changing. And like you said, like, we're a growing generation that even with Derby... Um, it in itself is part of that evolution of uh, talking about gender identity and stuff like that and you may see it as like oh derby is a women's sport but they're also growing in the fact that they're trying to be more inclusive and a big thing in the roller derby community uh, it, with gender identity and that is like going to bouts and even just little things like calling people by their proper pronouns so derby has like all these other crazy things mixed into it it's not just like a bunch of girls on skates there's like all this political stuff going on and like yeah it's just it's awesome I just want everybody to love this but yeah I, yeah I don't know I think I'm I think you may have like talked 
to me out of Derby. I think I need or I said everything that I okay. needed to say. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I when, hope I did. When is uh? When can people come see a show? See a show, fuck, sorry. Uh, see about, about, there we are. When, is, when can people come see about? June 24th at Atlas Tube Center. We open the doors up at four. I think first bout's at five, second bout is at seven. Double header always. Uh, we like to give people a show, and, or at least give people the opportunity that we always have both bouts in one night. That sounded really scrambled, but we just want to make sure that everybody can make it if they can. Like, if you need to come to an earlier bout, if you need to make it to a late bout, whatever right. works. Um, so yeah, Bell River, I know it's a bit out of the city from where it used to be, but we're trying to open it up to a new community. We're trying to like reel in all these folks in Bell River because they don't have a lot going on. Like, hey, come see us play roller derby. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll post all the information up. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll post the episode. Yeah, send me all that information and. Uh, yeah, nothing else. Uh, thank, thanks for... I'll probably think of something later. Probably. I'll add it in the show notes. All right, well, thanks so much cool. for talking with us. Thank you for having me. Oh. I all the time, I'm on the phone with my